Hello, everyone. This is Ruin Willow with the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. And I'm so excited for my guest today. She is so amazing. She she has she does so many things. Okay, just wait till you hear about all this. It's so, so much that she does. And it's huge. It's important. She's hitchhiked across the country, traveled and worked in a carnival for a season, roamed New York City with street people, explored and taught alternative lifestyles and more. All of her experiences thus far have led her to the belief that boundaries are the key to not only saving ourselves, but our relationships. She's a big fan of amazing people enjoying love, sex, and romance, and having functional lives, whatever that might look like from human to human, which she is thrilled to share her experience and knowledge of with us. So thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk with you. And we need to know about boundaries, right? So so nice to meet you and welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. And yes, we all need to know about boundaries. Right. Like, I think that's something that we're not really taught at least in our culture in the U.S. And so it ends up causing a lot of problems, right? I definitely agree. In fact, one of the chapters in my new book is, it's not your fault. And the idea is that we are not only not taught boundaries, we are socialized to have craptaculous boundaries. When Mm. we try to stand up for ourselves, we're told to be nice, to get along, you know, to go with the flow, whatever. And so we're actually raised with really bad models of boundaries on, you know, TV, in movies. You know, romance is portrayed oftentimes as stalking. And (laughs) and so it is, it is really, really hard to separate what we want from what we're taught to think that we ought to accept or have. And it's not our fault, but once we know better, I do feel that each of us has a responsibility to ourselves, if not to anyone else, to do better for us, to put ourselves first and make sure that we are setting and maintaining healthy boundaries. Right. Like I feel like we're taught basically, like you said, just to be nice, get along, don't make a fuss. And it's, I think it's even worse when it comes to sex, right? This is even, even worse than be nice and listen to so and so or take that cookie, even though you don't want it. It's even worse with sex. So much so. I mean, we've got these. Okay. So for one thing, I hate the war of the sexes. I hate this man versus woman thing. Not only. Is it like a huge binary that I don't think we need? It overgeneralizes. And so, but we have people who are super sexual and mm-hmm. are shamed for it. Yep. We have people who are not very sexual at all mm-hmm. and who are shamed for it. Uh-huh. We have people who are sexual only in specific cases and are shamed for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, and then you have people in relationships who have different levels or different vibes at different times. And of course, mm-hmm. what do we do? We shame each other because, you know, right. it can't be something wrong with us. So it must be something wrong with them. <laughs> it's crazy what we do to each other on oftentimes in the name of love mm. 
related to boundaries and especially, as you said, sexual boundaries. And I think I just interviewed a coach, a sex and relationship coach from Europe, and he was saying how he's like, my American clients are so different than over here. Over in America, it's always guilt and shame. And when he said the majority of the people over there, it's how am I going to get what I want and respect what my partner needs? How am I going to get what I want sexually? So it's so interesting that embedded in our culture, even from an outsider who counsels people, they see it rampant in our culture. Shame and guilt, shame and guilt. Yeah, we're, it's one of the, and I'm going to use this loosely, it's one of the best terms. (laughs) It's one of the best techniques to manipulate people. Yeah, it is. Human guilt. Uh And, uh, you know, we were socialized to um, either be controlled or control people, Mm -hmm. especially, especially in America. That whole, you know, rugged, intrepid adventurer thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are either in control of our destiny or we are, you know, controlling other people's destinies. There is no in between. We are America, (laughs) right? And, you know, talking about sex then who's controlling your sexuality? Is it the media telling you what you ought to want? Is it the media telling you what you ought not to want? Is it girlfriend you had, you know, 32 years ago who said, (laughs) that's gross. And you've been carrying that with you for Uh that long. Like there's all of these things. And yeah, it, it is, you know, I have this thing where I like to say, um, I don't compromise in relationships. I do what I want. And the first time I posted a the writing about I was fuck no, I will not compromise. And I think I think I broke the social network that day. <laughs> there were so many people who not only there I mean obviously there were people who could not understand. Yeah. But there was a huge group of people that not only didn't understand, not only didn't believe that that would work for them, but they got angry. Angry. I could see that. I said that it worked that way for me. Like, like I was, and some of them even felt like I was shaming them for not (laughs) doing it my way. Right. And I had, you know, like, I'm like, this is about me and my relationships. You have nothing to do with it because I'm not screwing you. (laughs) Yeah. It's built into us. Not only do we take not only do we take guilt and shame from our parents and from people who love us, we actually apparently go online looking for guilt and shame to <laughs> from other people about how we may or may not be doing our relationships correctly. That's right. insane. It is. And I, and I talk about that even like in, in my book, in the emotional boundaries chapter, I talk about emotions on social media. Oh, yes. How do you protect who you are from everything that's out there? Right. And, you know, we have we said the name of your book yet? I feel like we didn't say it. We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> We're slacking. We better do that. <laughs> it's uh, Take No Shit, um, Build Better Boundaries, Build Better Relationships Through Discovering, Creating, and Maintaining Healthy Boundaries in Three sometimes five simple steps. So it's all about creating a better relationship with others and ultimately creating a better relationship with yourself. And I think we need to mention to orient people what it is you do and your website, because I think that's important for people to know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I have I have two sites. The one you're specifically think, thinking about is Dating Kinky, 
I have dating app and website for uh, kinky people Mm -hmm. uh, built by kinksters for kinksters. And uh, I do a lot of education, like Mm -hmm. love, sex, romance, kink education. I have spent a lot of time over 30 years in alternative lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess more than anything, that tells me exactly why we need better boundaries, right? Not just not just for our relationships, but all these fun, freaky ways that we like to get our play on. And then I also have Curiouser.life, which is a little more vanilla, mm-hmm. um, a little more mainstream. It's you want more out of your love, sex, and romance. You're Curiouser. And this book, Take No Shit, is published under that particular label and is the idea is to get it out there into the hands of people who need it everywhere around the world, whether they identify as kinky or uber Christian or mm. whatever. We all need better boundaries. And then I use examples from all my different walks of life to highlight, you know, sexual boundaries. Let's talk sexual boundaries for a second. Kink, right? Sexual boundary and kink might be I don't do asphyxiation. I feel that is outside of my risk profile. Whereas a sexual boundary for somebody who is particularly religious might Mm -hmm. be, I don't have sex before marriage. Right. And a sexual boundary for someone who is younger might be, I don't go beyond second base. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are sexual boundaries. And the thing that makes them sexual boundaries is not whether or not, you know, I put my hand on your shoulder or, you know, touch your throat. It's the intent of this is a sexual engagement. So what happens when your partner puts their bound, their sexual and relationship boundaries on you? Give me an example and I will give you an example right back. Okay. Um, someone who believes that you shouldn't share too much online about your sexual experiences and they get angry with you, yet this is something you desire to do, you enjoy, you like to be open, but they get angry with you every time you post something that they don't agree with. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is this is a good one because these, these, are, the, <laughs> these are the sorts of things. When, when people join my book or join my book, join my app Dating Kinky, they actually get a copy of my book, Dating Kinky. Mm. And one of the parts of the book is how out are you? Mm-hmm. And when you connect with a partner, how out are they? Because that could be a big mismatch right there. Right. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this in, in the context of the five steps. Mm-hmm. So the five steps are set it, mm-hmm. say it, review mm-hmm. it, and then you may not do it, need to do anything else, but then there's repeat it and change if you mm-hmm. need. So if we set this boundary, so what we have to do for ourselves is say, what am I willing to do? online? What makes me comfortable? So I'm going to play the part of the person who has a partner who is way out there, okay? like posting all the pictures, doing all the things and I'm feeling a little uncomfortable here. So the first thing I have to do is figure out, okay, what's uncomfortable about this for me? What is the stopping point, the line in the sand? right? I need to figure this out. I need to set my boundary because if I can't articulate it to me, then articulating it to my partner could be challenging, right? So 
first I have to articulate it to myself. So I'm going to say, I don't mind you verbally talking about your escapades on, you know, these particular sites devoted to alternative sexuality and lifestyles, right? I would prefer, and this is where I'm saying it, I would prefer that you don't include photos, especially of me with those posts. And I would also prefer, I would feel safer if you kept that content to these specific sites and didn't put it up on Facebook where you're friends with my boss Mm -hmm. or my mother or the attorney who is handling my divorce, right? Like, (laughs) so say it. So first we've said it for ourselves. Then we say it. Then the next step is to review it. Does our partner immediately put forth effort to meeting us where we are? Mm -hmm. Does our partner say, okay, and then continues doing whatever they're doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or does our partner simply say, you do not have a right to determine how I live my life. Right. Which honestly is true. And it tells you that they are setting a boundary. Yes. That you're now going to have to deal with one way or another. So the next step, assuming that everything isn't like, oh, shizzle, I didn't realize. Let me take that down and I'll absolutely, you know, live within, you know, your boundaries because I love you and I care about you and I want us to build a life together. You know, if, if something successful like that doesn't happen, then the next step is repeat it. Mm -hmm. So then we, we talk and, you know, if they say, well, you know what, you don't have a right to do this. Then what we can say is, well, I do have a right to ask you not to mention me Mm -hmm. by name or put up photos of me and I would still feel uncomfortable since we are partners and we are known to be, you know, partners if you do it on these places, because, you know, here in North Carolina, for example, we have a a moral clause on our work (laughs) contracts, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Have that discussion, see where it goes Mm -hmm. and then review again. Mm -hmm. And then your last step, if things don't, get to where you need them to be or where you've asked for them to be in that particular case is change. And you can either change what you're willing to accept right, or change your relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's hard, yeah. but when it comes right down to it, if the two of you are so radically different yeah. In how you're going to live that part of your life that you can't reach something that, and I won't even use the word compromise. To me, it's a collaborative effort. Two people coming together to create the best possible solution for both. Not, yeah. I'll give you this and I'll be unhappy about it if you give me that and you're unhappy about it. Like, right. how do we make this fuckballs amazing for right. both of us? And if we can't do that, then what are we even doing? Right, right. And- the word that keeps popping in my head and rolling around in there is negotiation. This is a negotiation. Absolutely. And, but it can't be where it has to be acceptable on both ends, right? Like it can't be someone just giving up what they want 
just to please the other one, because there's not anything good going to come from that. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be anger. There's going to be maybe outbursts because, hey, you did that again. And I don't like that. So, yeah, I think it's a way of figuring out, do you still mesh? And it's no different from, you know, what we've got going on right here, right? I'm on video. Your right. tits are on video. I know, um, right? They are. <laughs> and, that, and that's fine, right? Like, otherwise, it's if we're not able to find a solution, maybe the solution to that previous issue is if you are willing to run two accounts and have mm-hmm. one of them be anonymous and only accessible to people that we already know are, you know, yeah. aware of who we are, and then to total and complete strangers, that's fine. Right. There's a lot of ways to get around something like that once you, again, set the boundary. You know why it's an issue for you. You know what the issues are. And then you can talk with your partner about what do they get out of this that they would be missing if they didn't do it? And how can we get that feeling and still meet each other's needs? Right. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Now, and I see too, what I would think is when one person really exerts themselves, it can start to travel into abuse, right? Like if they're saying, you know, I mean, because that's, these are great things to say, but if there's abuse involved, you're not going to be able to reach an an agreement, right? You're not going to be able to negotiate shit. 
Well, yes. And savvy abusers will give you the teeny tiny things. So you feel like you've actually got somebody <laughs> who's working with you and then yeah. will come down hard and invalidate your feelings on the things that are really important to them. Yeah. So one of the things that I talk about, and um, you know, this is, this is related to abuse and sexuality is mm-hmm. that if we as individuals all take some time to figure out what our boundaries are for ourselves, mm-hmm. it's so much harder for another person to emotionally abuse mm-hmm. us, to manipulate us, to convince us. Yes. Because we know what our boundaries are, right? So that's the funny thing is that I've actually got this this little mini book that I'm working on that came out of this book. So funny story, because I know that you do audiobooks. So I'm sure you're familiar with like this process where decided I was going to write this book. Uh I wrote 83 chapters. And then I paused and I thought about it for a while. Frankly, I thought about it for like a month. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm writing a textbook here. And nobody, Mm -hmm. aside from maybe me, wants to read a college tome about boundaries. So I went back and I reorganized it and shuffled things all around. I changed it so that it followed these steps, uh, which left a lot of content Mm -hmm. on the cutting room floor. Yes. And (laughs) some of that content was the idea of like a whole chapter on what I call gaslighting, manipulation, and scunnery of the worst sorts. Got it. And uh, (laughs) my solution to that, and also fun fact, this goes along with that whole atypical life thing. Fun Uh fact that I also spent a lot of time in the pickup artist community back in the early Uh 2000 odds. So I learned a lot of their like tricks and, you know, schemes (laughs) and stuff. And so I have this technique for dating that I call start with no, Ah. where if you're engaging in a conversation, and this would be also excellent for engaging in a conversation about sexuality. When you start those discussions, those, you know, flirty negotiations, the little, what do you think about this? Or what do you think? Always, always, always say no when you mean it. Because Mm. sometimes we're doing those little like flirtationships, right? And they're like, well, I can't wait to throw you down and da-da-da-da-da-da. I'm a dominant. So I could like go along with that and be like, oh, hee-hee-hee. But when it comes to (laughs) it, I'll be like, maybe I'll be able to stand up for myself. Or I could say, oh, whoa there, Nellie. Right. Hold on, no throwing anyone until we have an agreement in place. Because mm-hmm. that's not how I roll with somebody I don't know. Let's 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 talk a little more hands off here. Let's get through the basics before we get into like, you know, taking charge and picking me up and tossing me across the room, shall we? <laughs> and in regular dating, it could be something as simple as, <clears throat> hey, are you available on you know Monday evening? And I think no, because Monday evening is usually the night that I reconnect with my nesting partner. Mm. So I say, you know, no, but how about, you know, X? And mm. I get that no. I get that boundary. I get that, hey, I don't really, did you mean to say it this way? Because 
that comes across as a little ick to me. Starting with those things in that negotiation stage of getting to know you and are we going to meet and do all of these things, being able to start with your boundaries before you are super invested in the relationship. Yeah. And find out how they react. Because, you know, some yes. of those people you're going to say, like, they're going to write to you. They're going to be like, hey, baby, you know, I saw your picture and I really think we should get together. And I'll do things like, first of all, please don't call me baby. I don't <laughs> use so titling me in any way is completely inappropriate. And um, why should we get together again? Right. <laughs> and some people will come back and say, it's just a word, you stupid. See you next Tuesday. Right. And if that's how they react to your boundaries, then you already know, right? Right. It's like an initial screening, almost like, and it I feel like we is. don't do that. We don't do that. We're not cultured to do that. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Like, and I remember somebody else talking about how sex needs to be talked about right away. And mm-hmm. other, you know, normally you sh- people don't do that, right? That's yeah. like, oh no, sex is way down the line. That's, a, or, you know, I don't know. I just feel like people don't talk about sex enough and especially initially, because if you find out you're dating someone and they're totally into tying people up and you are claustrophobic, hello, you know. (laughs) Sex is with that whole theory that uh, when sex is good, when you're a good match Mm -hmm. and things are going well, sex is 20% of your relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not a match and things are going poorly. It becomes 80% of your relationship. Like if you have not had good connective sex and orgasms and they leave the toilet seat up or she forgets to like lock the door or, you know, he pulls a dumb and stays out all night passing out at his friend's place after drinking or whatever. Like you are far less likely to forgive those things. Yes. If your sex life is in the shitter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So yeah. And and talking about sex early, I mean, I don't necessarily mean that you have to like get in there and be like, okay, we're going to have sex now. And <laughs> But, you know, bringing up little things as you go along and just sort of checking little compatibilities, you know, like, yeah, it does. It does make a difference. And again, knowing your boundaries, even if that boundary is, I am open to that idea. And I've never done it before. So maybe right. let's talk further. Or I don't know if I'm going to like that. I'm willing to try it as long as you're willing to stop if things don't feel right. right. You know, and have those conversations. I like that. I like because, you, you know, you think of boundaries. Like, I don't want this. I don't want that. I do want this. I don't want that. Why can't a boundary be a maybe? Yeah, it absolutely can. How, you know, and even something like, how would you react if we were in the middle of something and I said, stop? And some people are going to lie. Sure. People, though, aren't going to lie. And you can whisk them right out of the possible pile very quickly. Right. Because some people like the Uber, you know, I am your grand lord, dumbly pants, you know, <laughs> I don't care if you say stop. I am the lord and master and I know better than you what you want in the bedroom. Run away. And you're like, eh, goodbye. <laughs> Super simple. But it's it's also things like, uh, 
you know, hey, I, I really, 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 really love kissing. Mm-hmm. Like, I love kissing. And if I say, you know, sometimes I think it's fun to just, you know, like, get in the backseat of a car and like make out parked at the, you know, park or something. And if they go, well, that's dumb. I haven't done that <laughs> since middle school. <laughs> then to me, that is somebody who feels absolutely fine invalidating others interests yeah, and experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not somebody I want in my life. Right. So like I said, posted something on social media the other day about, uh, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how would you rate our relationship? Have you ever been asked a question like this? Have you ever been asked that question regularly? Right. And if not, why the hell not? Right. And somebody got on there and in the same response complained that they've never had anybody that cared that much about their relationships to ask that question and mm-hmm. said that if somebody asked them that question like that, they would laugh because that's not how you ask a question like that. Oh, geez. And I said, so it's important to be able to also create the space for people to ask questions like this in whatever language they have available to them. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. is the first time they're ever asking that question and they don't get the language perfect for you. Right. You know, and you laugh at them, then they're never going to ask it again. And you're going to think they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I think we shut each do- each other down very, maybe not intentionally, but we shut each other down in our relationships all the time. Unless you're in a relationship where you can talk about things, it's so easy to shut the other person down. And we do it because it's um, it's easier to shut them down than to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? So if I said to you, you know, we're laying there gasping on the sheets and oh, And, you know, I say to you, so on a scale of one to 10, how was it? And you like, don't even know what to say. You know, you feel that little giggly, like, don't even know how to answer that right now. Right. What a lot of people will do is immediately say, well, I've got to make them bad for asking it rather than Mm -hmm. understanding why I feel comfortable answering it. Right. And we have been modeled that behavior. Yes. In so many ways. One of the um one of the chapters in troubleshooting that I really like, I've done a video on it as well, is would you kick a puppy? Would you kick a puppy? Would you hit an you know a child? Fuck and no. I'm guessing the answer is no. Right. right. And then I say, well, why wouldn't you kick a puppy? Right. Because I don't want to. Okay, great. So why do you hurt the person you love? Right. And right. of course, there's accidentally like, right, you know, we've all yeah. we've all tripped over a puppy and ended up kicking it down the stairs or whatever. Right. Like, if you've had a puppy, you have kicked a puppy accidentally. They get in your feet. <laughs> but to do it on purpose. Yes. To lash out. We yes. have to realize that somewhere inside of us, we want them to hurt the way we are hurting. Because Mm -hmm. that we feel that that bonds us. And that is something social, again, that we have been taught. You know, if you see the movies where somebody is like, you know, we just had this amazing sex and the other person is not feeling like super like lovey dovey and whatever, a fight begins. Right. And it's just because they don't feel the same, not because of the experience, 
But because now I'm uncomfortable that you are not reciprocating whatever I've built in my head. Yeah. And I can argue with you about it instead of talking to you about it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a lot of issues. We do. <laughs> Humans are so, well, okay. Humans should be generally pretty simple, but right. we have a tendency to complicate everything. Yes. Right. And that's fascinating to me. So, you know, <laughs> I, I dig down into that and I pick it apart and I play with it and so on and so forth. But yeah, we, we're a mess. We are a mess. <laughs> All of it us. It can be good. It can be bad. It's everything in between, yes. right? Sometimes we are beautiful messes. Sometimes we are dumpster fires. <laughs> exactly. So say someone's trying to, ne- to talk about a new kink they want to try. And one partner says, say it's even just something simple, like say, what would be an example? Like praise kink. Like they really like to be, you know, praise somehow. You're beautiful. You're so smart. You're, you, you do that really well. You give a great blowjob, whatever. And the other partner says, well, I'm just not going to do that. So I can give you an example from my own life. And it wasn't so much that I said I wanted, you know, I had a praise kink and I wanted praise. But in my marriage, which was many, 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 many moons ago, and ended up being in an emotionally abusive marriage. But in my marriage, my ex-husband did not give out compliments and praise. Okay. Did not. Now, at the time, I was a very different person than I am now. I was super like intellectual. I was mm-hmm. not at all focused on my physical, my sense of physical self or anything mm-hmm. like that. Think of me as like just one human step away from like data, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, or Sheldon, like I was, okay. you know, I had, I had goals, I had things to do and all of that other stuff. That's just frivolity. Okay. Um, But he also explained to me at one point when he was talking about someone else, Mm. this this stuck with me for years. He does not give compliments because it gives people power over him. Oh, my. Wow. So you can absolutely have a praise kink. And if you have a partner who feels uncomfortable giving, who believes, this is an intellectual boundary, right? Mm. I believe that giving compliments gives others power over me. And that belief creates a whole lot of sub-boundaries based on building people up gives them power over me. Mm. So again, you have to look at our you going to change what you're willing to accept or are you going to change the relationship right. because when you get down to like those core beliefs mm-hmm. there's not a heck of a lot you can do to change them in others you can't change them in others they can only change them for themselves right um and that's rough i mean i personally believe that strong people build others, raise them to where they are, and if possible, boost them beyond where they are. You know, to me, that's strength, that's love, that's compassion. Mm -hmm. Other people don't believe that way. And you can see this like a wolf of Wall Street, right? Competition, cutting each other off at the knees. To them, that body's strength. 
Whereas I look at that and I say, well, if you have to cut somebody off at the knees, that you're insecure about your own position. You don't feel strong. Exactly. So that becomes a fundamental value mismatch. Yeah. Mm. And then you go to like the five love languages, right? Mm-hmm. If my love language is words of affirmation, which it's one of my partner's love languages. Sure. And I have a partner who's not willing to attempt to speak my language in order to fill me up. Yes. Long term, we're going to be a very, very bad fit. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and I think too, like you were saying, we need to pay attention to this stuff in the beginning, like instead of getting invested in a relationship and then you find out, okay, you know, maybe you ignore that need or that want or that desire or that particular sex act, but then it's not going to go away. It's not going to be like, oh, okay, now you don't suddenly want that. I mean, we do change. I'm not, don't get me wrong. We do change, but at the same time, disaster, right? Absolutely. And so one of the things I like to talk about is building your relationships. And that means, mm-hmm. you know, your friendships, your yeah. your love relationships and your sexual relationships, building mm-hmm. them in the sweet spot. And if you imagine a Venn diagram, you got your, you know, one circle is here is what I want. Yep. Right? And you got your second circle, here is what you want. And yep. where those circles overlap, mm-hmm. that is the sweet spot, yes. right? And so if you build your relationship in the sweet spot and you say, anything I do not want in this relationship is not a part of our relationship. Anything you do not want in this relationship is not a part of this relationship. It doesn't mean it can't be a part of your life, right? Like I don't mountain bike, my partner mountain bikes, you know, great. We go on trips. He chooses mountain bike places and I go hiking. Sure. So we know what those things are, but they're not a part of our relationship. It's a part of him. Or a part of me. But the things right. that are a part of our relationship, we both have to want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have enough of that, like, and this is where for people who are non-monogamous, mm-hmm. this is where it can get really exciting. Because yeah. like, let's say my nesting partner and I, we overlap with, here is what I want. Here is what he wants. 85%. Right. Sure. We are very compatible in a ton of ways. Mm-hmm. And we still have these things that we like to do with other people. Sure. But let's imagine that, you know, you've got this and you've got this relationship and that's a big overlap. And then you've got this other bubble. This is what, you know, they want. Mm-hmm. And that person comes into your life and they overlap with you on your, you both collect hedgehog figurines to go to antique fairs. And you both like to have really raunchy, kinky sex. And that's where you overlap. So that's where you build your relationship. You don't have to go to family outings together. You Mm -hmm. don't have to go see the same movies together because you don't like the same movies. You don't have to eat out together because, you know, they like fast food and you like gourmet, whatever it is. But you've got these things to build this connection on. And it's up to you to decide whether that's enough of a connection for what you want to do. Right. And and obviously being non-monogamous or monogamous is one of those things that has to be in that sweet spot because one person can't, you know what I mean? You have to be okay with whichever way that you guys are going to swing because one person can't be non-monogamous and let another person monogamous unless they're okay with them being non-monogamous. Yeah, you know so what I mean? That's definitely a challenge. It's And this is where a lot of what we do, like right now in America, 
the whole non-monogamy movement is what I would consider in its infancy. Yeah. Because we just don't, most people just don't have the structure Mm -hmm. to really fully understand it. But let's say that um, were I single and I were out like totally and completely single, no partners at all. And I were out dating Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I met somebody and I said, well, you know, I'm non-monogamous and they're like, okay, well, you know, I'm open to trying that. Right. So then we get together and we spend, you know, seven years together or whatever it is. And they decide they don't like non-monogamy. They are monogamous and they don't want me to be non-monogamous either. Right. That's not their right. Right. Um, I could let them force me, but then I can't say they forced me, right? They can put pressure on me. We can manipulate. I will take the kids. I will take the money. You know, all of that, very wrong. Right. But it's also, we still have this idea in America that whatever the primary couple is, Mm -hmm. that that always has to stay together, no matter what. And that monogamy or non-monogamy aside, that's what kept me in my abusive marriage for as long as I was there is because I thought that loving somebody that being loyal meant you stuck with them no matter what shit they threw at you. Right. Exactly. So we need to start looking at what I would consider completely consensual relationships. Yeah. We are in this because we want these things. And if we start to want other things, yes, then we move in other directions. We might de-escalate the relationship. Mm-hmm. We become co-parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friends and not lovers and not married or, you know, not partnered or whatever. And we really, really don't have good frameworks for that in yeah. America because a marriage is either a marriage or it's not. And if right. you're not married anymore and you're friends with your ex spouse, like people are like, how could you even do that? <gasps> right. I like it's weird. It. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yep. it's weird. It's strange. It's not normalized. Like, right. So we didn't work out. Now we have to hate each other after right. spending 14 years together. That's crazy. Why do it is crazy. Each other? But the pressure there and not just the external pressure, but the pressure in ourselves, because we believe yeah. that if mm-hmm. we have hurt this much, we cannot possibly get over it. Right. That's, it's just not true. No, it's not. But yeah, we get fed this stuff and we believe it. And in, there's the whole thing of the fighting people after they're divorced. Like that's that's a thing. I mean, it's in, you know, it's in movies. It's joked about. It's the butter jokes all the time. And often it's considered just the norm that they're just you're not going to get along. You're going to fight and you're going to be horrible to each other. And it does happen, obviously. Yes. But that's also people who I feel like I did a, a talk at one point that like, what is toxic anyway? Because mm. I've been seeing, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, online, so many people calling their exes toxic yep. or calling them narcissistic or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Right. But I'm also pretty sure that everyone listening has been, had at least that one relationship where the match that they had with that other person just fit so wrongly. It was like sandpaper against their skin constantly. And they became the people they didn't want to be in that relationship. Does that now mean that they're the toxic person? 
Right. No, it just means that you had two people bringing out the worst in each other. Yeah. And we got to let that, we got to let that ish go, right? Like we got to, we got to just, no, thank you. You don't want, you don't want a forever love the way I do. That is a mismatch. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. Exactly. Right. You know, you don't want to be monogamous. And I really have decided that I require that in order to feel whole. Okay. That doesn't make Mm -hmm. you a horrible person or a slut or anything like that. It just makes it mismatch. We are not to work out. Right. I think, yeah, I think we have to be okay with that. And maybe if people do get to that point, that's when it's not going to be this nasty, you know, fighting each other, mud slinging. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me, even though we're not together kind of shit that you see people do. I would really like to see more like that. Sure. I would, I would love to see people being more confident and fulfilled in their relationships by being able to say, Hey, here's the thing that I want. Do you want it? And they say, no, I don't think so. Okay. For example, just a Silly, silly example. So my girlfriend says, hey, would you like to come over for dinner on Thursday? Mm-hmm. And I, I check my calendar and I say, yes, I'm free. I will definitely be there. What time do I need to bring anything? And she'll tell me. And then I'll say, is my partner invited? Because sometimes you, when talking yeah. to me, is me. And sometimes you, when talking to me, is you and your partner. Right. So I say, is my partner invited? And she might say no. And I say, okay, I'll see you then. She might mm-hmm. say yes. If Mm -hmm. she says yes, then I say to my partner the next time I'm in front of his face, Mm -hmm. hey, my girlfriend Trish invited us to dinner on Thursday. I'm going to go. We're having Greek. Would you like to join us? Right. It's in the calendar. (laughs) Right. And it's fine if you want to go, if you don't want to go. Or I might say, hey. Our mutual friend, you know, Jerry Lee, has been having a rough week. And I'm going over on Thursday. I think it would be wonderful if you could go with me. Or, you know, send a little note just to let them know you're thinking about them. You know, like, this is how I engage with the person that I live with. I don't assume that he's going to go do these things. We had a big weekend this past weekend with an out-of-town instructor in teaching a couple of workshops. We had two parties to go to. And I said to him about two months ago, I said, I would really appreciate if you could take off work on Friday and Mm -hmm. spend that weekend with me. It means that you're probably going to miss most of your cycling stuff. But Mm -hmm. this is a topic that would be really important to me for you to share with me. And so he did. If he said no, I would understand that because he's got his own life. Right. Right. But I put my, that's part of my boundaries. This is a priority. Priorities are part of your boundaries. This is a priority for me. I would love it if you would share it with me. And if he'd said no, I, you know, I could have said, okay, can we set aside some time to go over what I learned and the recordings so that, you know, we can share this together, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's always ways to get around these things, even with the people that you think should always go to that office holiday party with you, should always be your date to the wedding, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's like, no, what if they freaking hate weddings? What if your greatest fantasy is like water sports and that like icks them out beyond belief? 
Does it make them a bad person for not wanting to try something? I hate radishes. Right. Right. Like, am I a bad person? Cause I don't want radishes in my salad. No more. Am I a bad person for not wanting to pee on somebody? Like who cares? Right. Just because you want it doesn't mean you have a right to get it from me. Right. And that's where our relationships, the, this person must fulfill everything. Right. And if they don't bringing this back around full circle, shame and guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance, say someone wants a particular sex act and the other partner does not. I'll just pick something, threesome. And then the partner who really wants it, really wants it. The person who doesn't want it, they don't want it. But the person who wants it, the other person who won't do it says no, then they're hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also the person who wants it is probably then feeling shame. Like Mm -hmm. the rejection is right. not just a, I don't want to do this, but also secretly, you're kind of gross for even asking for it, right. which actually happens pretty regularly. Uh, there are some parties that we have here locally that are you know, more geared towards alternative lifestyles. And I'll meet mm-hmm. people um, or not even people I've met, but people that will sign up and say, okay, my partner and I are going to come to the next one, right? Sure. Great. Mm-hmm. And they get in there and usually one partner is super active. Yeah. Because when when we throw these parties, they're very, um, anything goes. <laughs> Got it. So <laughs> when we throw them, there's a two-week orientation period for anybody who's not been to one before. Okay. So they have to post an introduction and they have to like, you know, engage and, and so on and so forth. So we can see if they're going to be a good culture fit. Sure. And usually one partner is super on top of it. Yep. <laughs> and the other partner, maybe not so much. Yeah. And what happens is usually two, one or three days, one to three days before the event, yeah. I get the, hey, we had a discussion last night mm-hmm. and turns out so-and-so, the less active partner, is not quite ready. And I'm really disappointed, but I'm going to go with what my partner says. Now, what happened was, Partner A says, hey, let's do this thing. And partner B think, oh, you know, that could be fun. Great. So they finally get this thing. They've agreed to it. Here are the steps that they're taking. And partner A knows that partner B has never done anything like this before, but doesn't want to bring it up in case they make partner B feel more nervous. Right. Partner B gets more nervous with each passing day yep. because partner A is not bringing it up and talking about it in right. any way that assures them. And they're also feeling incredibly guilty for not wanting the thing they said they wanted. Then all of this pressure builds up until like a couple of days before where they have the discussion and they are like, this person is finally honest. I have been, you know, my anxiety has been building for two weeks ever since I said yes. And I just don't see how this can work and yada, yada, yada. And partner A has been trying to avoid this. Right. Right. Deep down inside, they know that this could potentially happen. So they've been trying not to talk about it at all. Right. Or even to talk about it. Sometimes they do the whole thing. I'm going to talk about it constantly, but only in super positive ways. Like how much fun is this going to be? This is going to be super great. (laughs) Pep talk. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas, And this is a a little workshop that somebody here locally and I are going to be putting together. What they really need to do is say, okay, we want to do this thing. What are my boundaries? What are your boundaries? And then going into this thing that we've never done before. 
yeah. together. What yeah. are the boundaries that we're going to set around our shared experience? Sure. Right. And that might be something as simple as this first one, we are going to go and socialize and do nothing else. Right. We're just going to go and check it out. Sure. And if either one of us feels uncomfortable, we'll just leave. Simple. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that discussion. Yeah. Because person A is terrified if they have that discussion, it's going to end up no. Right. And person B is terrified if they bring it up that person A might try to pressure them or whatever. So they kind of like wait until like they get up the courage to finally blurt it out. And by then it's pressurized. Yeah. What I see is it's we need to respect each other as individuals rather than we're a couple, we're a unit, you know, like. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the problem comes in. Like, you know, assumptions you have, you know, oh, we're married. You have to do this or, oh, you have to come with me to this party. We need to get more of a mindset where we're individuals and respect each other for who we are instead of this is my idea of what you are. This is what my idea of the marriage is. Yeah, I just feel like it's just it's all fucked up. (laughs) And to go to go back to the sex thing, Mm -hmm. we have to be individuals. We have to respect our individuality and our autonomy because it is impossible to be passionate without separation. Right. It's if if we're making love to somebody that is that we feel is like a brother, exactly. Yes. You know, or or you know somebody that we think we know as well as we know ourselves, like that's masturbation. Yeah. That's not passion. It's not eros. It's not coming together in a flame of excitement and you know desire. It's yeah, yeah. It's, it's exa- exactly right. That's like yeah, your 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 siblings. Yeah. Or besties, like platonic besties. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a big, a big thing these days is the queer platonic partnership, right? Sure. Yeah. We live together. We don't have sex. We are the best of friends. There is nothing wrong with that. Right. Unless that's not what either of you want. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And then there's everything wrong with that because you both want something else and you just don't know how to get there. And that's also where setting your boundaries matter, not just these are the things I don't want, but these are the things I want to prioritize in my life. And these mm-hmm. are the things I'd like to prioritize in my life with you if you're amenable to that. Right, right. You know, and before I really embarked on my journey of what I'm doing now, I didn't really know a lot about the whole BDSM community, DOMSOB, all that kind of stuff. And now that I know, it's like that model is so much better than the way the rest of the world is, yet the rest of the world looks at it like it's evil, bad, abusive. And it's so interesting to me that having been on both sides of it to see how really we should be doing it, total talking about it, total negotiation all the time. And yet the majority of Americans, I can't say that, the vanilla people, the people who don't understand dom-sub relationships and that kind of stuff, they, they see it so differently, yet that's the way it really should be done. I think that... Kink relationships absolutely have a leg up when it comes to mm-hmm. negotiations. Yeah. And that's just one step, right? Yeah. We're still mm-hmm. like Americans in kink relationships, then, you know, okay, we've negotiated our relationships and we've negotiated our scenes, but we still have a crap ton of like installed beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like autonomous systems that just work without us even thinking about it 
until, you know, we're, we're stuck and we're frustrated and we're like, but I thought X and the other person's like, you never said X. Right. So like, like it is a step. It's absolutely a step. And that's one of the things I do talk about in the book is negotiate your relationships and Mm -hmm. understand, you know, how safe words work. And, you know, the idea of yes, no, maybe when it comes to things you might want to try and, and even with all of those things, if you ask 20 kinksters to rate, you know, their boundaries on a scale of one to 10, we're going to get 19 of them probably below an eight, mm-hmm. like, because people are still people doing yeah. those things and they still like haven't been socialized with good boundaries and they can almost all tell you a bad experience or a bad relationship or yeah. something that happened as a result of having poor boundaries right it's hard and, and and one thing it just popped in my head i don't know why it did but say some say there's a couple and they never really talked about stuff and then one day one of them finally feels comfortable to say something whether it be a hidden kink or an orientation and then the other person is pissed because you never told me that i didn't know you were that way i mean you know again this is this is just assumptions and disrespecting that people are separate people but how do people navigate that especially when someone totally shames them like i didn't if i knew you were like that i would have never even married you yeah well i mean so there's there's two sides to that. First of all, if somebody hides that part of themselves throughout an entire relationship, they've got to take some of that mm-hmm. firepower, right? Like it's big. Right. And this is one of the things. So when I talk about boundaries in my book, I talk about um, the original title for the book was Boundaries Are Sexy as Fuck. Okay. Because I believe that the people who are the most magnetic, the most attractive in mm-hmm. non-physical ways are the people who have the strongest and healthiest boundaries because they're protecting the bits that they want and they're keeping out the bits they don't want. So they have more energy and power for mm-hmm. the people and things that are important to them. Sure. And so I also talk about, you know, people with good boundaries know exactly who they are. Yeah. And are willing to stand up for that in their life. So if somebody has been hiding it, you know, for 20 years of marriage, Mm -hmm. that's definitely, they deserve a bit of that. Ah, Come on now. That said, if somebody has discovered something about themselves. Right. In a good, healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. and this is incredibly rare, right? (laughs) But in a good, healthy relationship, as soon as they come across something on the internet or wherever that intrigues them, it's going to come up over dinner. Yeah. Like they're Mm -hmm. not going to wait for months. They're not going to wait for years because they've got a good, healthy relationship and they're communicating. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. But if they don't have that, then, you know, like the previous scenario with the couple, you know, person B is going to hold that in and hold that in and hold that in until all of a sudden, like, they're sitting at the dinner table and they're like, I want to wear diapers. Right. And everybody's like, uh, what? What? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to say anything because, you know, I ran across this thing like three years. Right. You know, like, whereas at the beginning, it could have been, hey, I ran across this thing in diapers. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not so much into that. But, you know, 
if that's your thing, do it. I'd love to make sure that, you know, like we're talking about it. And if you feel a need to do the things, Mm -hmm. but the challenge that we have with that is that's a very healthy response and a very healthy relationship. Yes. And oftentimes the person who is holding these things in Mm -hmm. is, is also not able to give those kind of healthy responses to their partner who wants things. Yeah. So it ends up like, you know, because, you know, we hear about this a lot. Well, I said to my partner that I wanted this thing and they told me I was a sicko. Right. Okay. And, you know, you were together for, you know, 10 years. Did Mm -hmm. you foster a relationship in which your partner could tell you anything Right. and you would accept them? Because I mean, and maybe once in a while, okay, you know, the one person is perfect and the other person is not. I doubt it because if the right. one person had really good boundaries and autonomy and the other person didn't, mm-hmm. they would find out they weren't a fit. Right. But it takes two to tango. Yeah. Right. And ultimately we have to realize that if there's something about us that is important for our partner to know, we tell them. And, and <laughs> if there's something about us that is not important for our partner to know, it is our right yes. to maintain that privately for ourselves. It's none right. of their business. We can tell them, but we don't have to tell our partners everything. Right, right. It's a balance. And right now, I feel like the balance in America is far more enmeshed than it is autonomous. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And that's why when I decided to start working on this, it's a huge project that I'm working on called Lucky in Love. And I decided to work on boundaries first, because without boundaries, the next one, which is actions speak louder than words, or do they, how we kill our relationships by talking too much. Mm. Uh, If we can't go into conversations as two separate individuals, understanding that we both have different, what I, what is often called exformation. We have different beliefs, definitions, and experiences around words, for example. If we don't, if we can't honor that in each other, then the conversations we have are dead in the water. Yeah. I was just going to say it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all of this, like it's going to build all from the boundaries because we have to get right with ourselves before we can do all of this other stuff. And frankly, one of the biggest, most important parts of my book is boundaries and ethics are flip sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. How you treat other people's boundaries and other people's autonomy will often inform mm. how well you stand up for your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. And if you're the type of person, and I, I mean, I'm going to raise my hand. I've been there passive aggressive. Yeah. That's the covert contract of, I'm going to say, I'm going to do what you want to see if I'm going to get what I want in return. And when I don't, I'm going to get pissy. Right. Right. Like that's, and all of us have played that game. Mm -hmm. Once you look at it from that perspective and you say, I'm not standing up for my boundaries and I'm also not honoring theirs. I am lying to them. I am pretending that I am happy to do this thing or whatever in the hopes that they're going to give me that thing I want, often without even telling them what the thing is. 
Right. Once you realize that you have played these games, you have not taken no for an answer. You Mm -hmm. have manipulated people and tried to convince them to do things you wanted, even though they didn't want to. Who the hell wants to be in a relationship having sex with somebody who doesn't want to have sex with them? Right. That's wrong. And yet every single one of us (laughs) has tried to talk somebody into some kind of sex they initially said they didn't want. Right. Right. Even if it wasn't a big thing, oh come on, you know, you know, just let me bite you a little bit right here. It's just so it's just or wait, Zerberts in the boobs, right? Raspberries, right. tummy. Like mm-hmm. we've all, all of us have done it. And as soon as you realize that, and you realize that you push other people's boundaries in shitty ways on a pretty regular yeah. basis, mm-hmm. then you realize why you're not standing up for your own. Right. I think it takes confidence too to stand up for your own boundaries. Like you know, if you feel like you don't. If you don't feel confident in your own boundaries, it's pretty hard to enforce them. And (laughs) (laughs) enforcing your boundaries builds confidence. Confidence is literally saying to yourself, I will do this for myself and then doing it. That is self-confidence right Mm -hmm. there. I have a right to this boundary and then enforcing it gives you the right to the boundary. It's like, it's a virtuous cycle and then Mm -hmm. breaking your own boundaries, stomping them before other people can, which we often do that, right? We set a boundary. And then before the other person even gets pushy, we're like, oh, maybe they won't like it if I say that. So I'm not even going to do it. Yeah. You know, and that Mm -hmm. creates a lack of confidence because Mm -hmm. we are crushing ourselves. Yes. Yes. I'm less important. So yeah. So then it just Mm -hmm. squishes you down further. Yeah. So it takes And I would even say it doesn't necessarily take confidence. If all you have is you sitting right there, it takes hope, Mm -hmm. optimism, Mm -hmm. right? And in the workshop that I do, the Take No Shit workshop, one of the things we talk about is building what I call rules and laws. So a rule is if somebody touches on this boundary, I will say and do this. A law in this particular sense is... I have been told by Heather, a.k.a. Nookie, right, that Mm -hmm. if somebody does this to my boundary, I can say that. So a law is something somebody else has given you, somebody you trust. And I like, girl, the next time that happens, you do this. Sure. Right. Because some people are really good at following other people's directions or doing it for someone else mm-hmm. and not so much for themselves at the beginning. Right. So mm-hmm. having that law means you don't have to have optimism. You don't have to have confidence. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is say, I'm willing to do this because they told me it would work. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, digging a little deeper into sometimes the book is a lot and will help people in numerous ways. The workshop is more because some people need that handholding. And then I also do one-on-one coaching for the people who are like, I need, I need to supercharge this. I need need more. Get Mm -hmm. this like going right freaking now. But here's a fun thing that I'm doing for the workshop. So the workshop's normally $197. If people buy the book, which digital on Amazon is $9.99. Okay. Right now anyway. And if they buy the book, they get $20 off the workshop. Oh, but, nice. wait, there's yeah. more. I just decided this. So this you're the first one to hear about this, <laughs> at least of the time of the recording. And um, 
so I decided that the workshop is so important to me because it's a group thing. Okay. And I think it'd be so helpful to so many people that if people want to, they can go onto my website, my.curiouser.life. They can find the link that takes them to um, spread the word. If they spread the word, there's a way you can sign up for to spread the word about Take No Shit, the book. And just signing up gets you five points. Mm. Uh, you know, sharing to Facebook gets you 10 points, whatever. Oh, There's sure. a mm-hmm. bunch of things. Take a picture of yourself with your take no shit book and right. upload <laughs> it for 10 points. Each entry point is $1 off of the take no shit workshop. Oh, nice. So, you know, if people are willing to share all over the place and tell people about it and send me links to it or send screenshots to it or whatever, you know, theoretically, they could get the entire workshop at no cost by spreading the word about the book to other people. Intriguing. That's a fantastic idea. They can work for it. Yeah. (laughs) Like every who, who doesn't like every time I've talked to somebody about this. You know, they've said something along the lines of people need better boundaries. I'm going to tell, you know, I know at least five people Uh or I'm going to send to get your book. And I actually had one person say, as soon as your print book comes out, I'm buying seven copies for (laughs) this person, this person, (laughs) like, so spreading the word Hmm. about boundaries. Also, for those people who might be interested, my.curiouser.life has it's a it's a previous version, so it's not fully edited and so on and so forth, but it has the first 100 pages of my oh, book nice. in PDF format that you can mm. download as a sample. Nice. And Very just cool. see if you like it. And I am convinced that everyone's, and not only download it as a sample, you don't even have to give me your email address. That's separate. If you want to give me your email address, you can do that. But if you just want to download that book all stealth-like and see like, <laughs> I don't know what this is talking about, but you know, oh, 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 ooh, yeah, maybe I need this book. <laughs> maybe I also need to send this along to somebody else I know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because I am that confident that anybody who wants to know more about boundaries, who has any interest in this book at all, after reading those first hundred pages, are going to be like, I need the rest. Because the rest, yeah. out of the six types of boundaries in that book is included emotional boundaries and intellectual boundaries, physical mm-hmm. boundaries, sexual boundaries, material boundaries, and time boundaries mm-hmm. are in the rest of the book along with the other steps. So there's a lot of information that I'm giving away because right. I know that once you realize how much you can know about your boundaries, yes, you're going to want the rest of it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it's- it's great to break it down like that because some people might not be thinking of different kinds of boundaries. So that's a great way to put it out there for people to to just dissect and just get their brain around it. But before we end, I did want to ask you a question. Maybe you're a good person to ask this. How many people do you think in America are actually kinky? Because some people who are normal think it's rare or uncommon what's your your response to such a thing so this is a great question because when i started dating kinky of course and i was talking to like investors and so on and so forth i had to do research and there were no clear numbers i have i have two things i'm going to share and i'm actually going to look one of them up so that i get it exactly right because um there's a definition that I use specifically to define kinky. So I'm going to, going to okay. use that definition and then I'm going to tell you what 
I figured out. Okay. You go to Google right now and you and you type in define kinky. You'll probably get the following two definitions. One, involving or given to unusual sexual behavior. Right. Two, having kinks or twists. Mm-hmm. So at Dating Kinky, I chose the definition that started with one, but combines in the second and throws in a bit more. Okay. Kinky is something greater than the straight and narrow, a flexibility in how you view and navigate the world. Kinky is different than your average person, opened up to more possibilities, especially but not necessarily in relation to sex. Okay, so if we use that as a base definition, then we could imagine that at least the top 35% or bottom 35%, depending on how you look at the word kinky, of people are kinky in some significant way, right? And if you break that apart and don't even think about it in the sense of this person thinks of themselves as kinky, like identifies as kinky. That's one of the challenges that we have with this number is a lot of people don't identify as kinky, but do kinky things or have kinky desires. If you look at it from that standpoint, Mm -hmm. I would say that the numbers actually flipped. Yeah. And about Mm -hmm. 65% of people have a kink or a fetish that they enjoy, whether or not they participate in a lifestyle that connects them to others. Sure, sure. So, because like, if you think about like average, Mm -hmm. nobody... the, the special snowflake thing. Everybody says, nobody is special. And I say, <laughs> everybody is special in some way. Oh, I agree with you. There was a little book that I loved. It was a little book about paradoxes. I think it was called Aha. Okay. And uh, the one of the paradoxes that really struck me was the most boring person in the world. Mm-hmm. Except that as soon as somebody is labeled the most boring person in the world, they're more interesting uh-huh. than the second most boring person in the world. <laughs> True. So, and the desiderata says there will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself, mm-hmm. right? So we all are completely average in probably 80, 85% of the ways that we are. And in that 15%, I would say that 65% of humans or more have at least one thing mm-hmm. that is completely extraordinary about them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and probably one other thing that's specifically related to sex, whether they admit that out loud or not. So that's kind of my theory, which is one of the reasons that I try to be as open and accepting of anyone. If they're a virgin, I don't care. If they never, ever want to have sex, I don't care. Sex to me, sexual pleasure to me is what is good for you. Yeah. And as long as you don't harm Mm -hmm. another human in order to do that, you can hurt them because Mm -hmm. that can be consensual, but harming them. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. You know, I, I work with people who have a lot of different fetishes who, you know, I work with people who have gotten to, you know, multiple decades without ever having sex and they want to, but they haven't figured it out yet. Mm. I work with people, I've known people in the lifestyle who would do impact play and enjoy kink, but yes. would not have sex until marriage. Like this is mm. all fine. 
Right, right. I accept everybody's view of their life from their individual perspective. Sure. And then I hope to honor them in, you know, coaching or my writing or whatever in helping them get exactly what they want with people who want it with them. Right. Just a giant acceptance rather than any kind of judgment. Yes. Yeah. And to me, that is, that's a boundary of mine. If anybody ever throws judgment at me or at somebody I care about, Uh that's a no-go. Because, you know, we're, we're all special, but I mean, we're all, we all do things that require acceptance from others. And a a lot of the time, even in kink, what you're going to see is you're going to see, well, I accept people who are like me, but those people over there doing, I don't know, the diaper thing or the pet play thing, or, you know, the impact thing or the hooks Mm -hmm. thing or whatever, those people are weird. Those people take it too far. Like, please, come abnormal. Yeah. (laughs) That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And then that that's just it too. I hate the people that are making the judgments. That's abnormal. That's weird. And and normal. To me, there is no normal. It's a stupid word. I mean, normal is a setting on a dryer. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's a normal, there's an average body average. temperature. Mm-hmm. I run one degree cooler than that. There's an average blood pressure. I run very, very much lower than that normally. So when my blood pressure is average, my blood pressure is high, right? Right. We all have things about us that are different that you could not look at me and say, that bitch, her temperature runs a degree lower, (laughs) right? You're not going to know that from looking at me. You're not going to know that from the way I behave in public or anything like that. We are all interesting and different. Mm-hmm. And we're all the same in that. Right. Absolutely. It's been such an amazing chat. Well, yeah. I would love it if you would tell everyone where they can find you again, the name of your book. And this was so great. I really enjoyed talking with you. I really did. It's so much great stuff and so needed in this world. But tell us where we can find you, your book, and social media sites or places that they could connect and learn more. The easiest way to find me is my two domains. So you can find Dating Kinky at datingkinky.com. And you can find Take No Shit, my workshop, my coaching, and so on and so forth at my.curiouser.life. That includes a link to Amazon where you can place the order. It includes a link to contact me if necessary. Yeah. And social media links. So datingkinky.com or my.curiouser.life. Awesome. And then I wanted to say what I love on your book cover boundaries are a shit shield, right? <laughs> that is, that's so telling of what it, I mean, yes. I just had to, I had to say that at some point during this interview. I'm like, that is so freaking on point. <laughs> I did some interviews with people when I decided I was going to write a book about boundaries. I did some interviews with people at different stages of their boundaries journey so that I mm. could remind myself of some of like beginning boundaries. Oh, sure. And I could, you know, get perspectives from people who've had different boundaries issues than I have. And one of the people said that her therapist told her that boundaries are a shit shield. And for me, (laughs) I was just like, I am going to use that. And Uh the little little otter dressed up in Victorian clothes, like with an umbrella, (laughs) you know, and the little shit swallowing is just like, I'm like, and for those 
for those who are interested in, you know, why we're even talking about this, the entire book is illustrated. So mm, boundaries okay. oh, such cool. a deep topic mm-hmm. that fun illustrations, just like that one you got a chance to look at, are yes. throughout the entire book because oh, nice. it it's also it's also about twice as long as a normal self help book. Okay. Um, so I figure breaking it up with lots of color and fun things that make you kind of yeah. giggle is definitely the way to go. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And it just kind of like break it up a little bit and yeah, just kind of yeah. loosen it up and, you know, hey, yep. some fun stuff. I, I can totally see why you do that. It's a fantastic idea. <laughs> thank you. Thank Very you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited that we chatted and I got to learn more and what an amazing book and amazing work you're doing in the world. It, it's so needed. So thank you so much. Thank you. You have an amazing day. Likewise. Okay, bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.